Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Let's revisit uh, our conversation from the 3 o'clock hour. I want to talk about Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's U-turn. Now, today, Prime Minister Trudeau announced that his government will increase the carbon tax rebate paid to households in rural areas uh, across Canada. It will exempt home heating oil from the carbon tax for three years and roll out a more lucrative rebate program for people who switch their heat source to heat pumps. Here is Prime Minister Trudeau from earlier today. Today, we are announcing a three-year pause on the federal pollution price on heating oil so that we can give everyone the time and ability to switch to heat pumps. Now, I would argue that uh, I think he's feeling the heat in regards to Canadians and their challenges with affordability and the carbon tax going up every July up until 2030. In fact, the parliamentary uh, budget office says the the original uh, carbon tax was going up every July. There was also a second carbon tax, uh, which is which included uh, federal fuel regulations that was also taking effect as of, uh, of July 1st of this year as well. Combined, according to the parliamentary budget office, that would probably mean about uh, driving up costs for the average family by about $2,000. Now, the carbon tax brought in by Gordon Campbell in 2008, it was revenue neutral at that time, was to change behavior, uh, a market's response to getting people uh, away from fossil fuels. Well, today, a BC Conservative leader, John Rustad, a part of this press conference uh, occurring, nobody knew that this announcement was coming, brought up the issue of the carbon tax. Take a listen. Half the people in this province are struggling to put food on the table and the consumption of fossil fuels per capita has gone up at the same rate as the rest of the country. So I don't quite understand what this minister doesn't get about the failed carbon tax. For every voter that our party is taking from British Columbia, from the, <clears throat> from the defunct BC United Party, we are also taking one from the NDP party. British Columbians want change. To the Premier, why has this NDP government abandoned hard-working, blue-collar voters and when will they slash this punishing carbon tax so that everyday workers can afford to live? British Columbia's economy has been transforming significantly as a result of a carbon tax, and it has put British Columbia in a good position to fight climate change, which over 70% of British Columbians believe is a pressing crisis. By 2030, 80% of British Columbians will get the Climate Action Tax Credit and a significant majority of them will get more back in the tax credit than they pay in carbon tax. So, uh, do we have a role to play when it comes to climate, uh, the, uh, the climate itself, and, and does carbon tax play a role in changing behavior? Or uh, are we just driving up costs for everyday British Columbians and Canadians when countries like China and India, United States, that alone is probably 50% of humanity just there with those three countries, do not have the carbon tax uh, like we have here. Joining me now is Keith Baldry, Global BC's Legislative Bureau Chief. Good afternoon, Keith. Hey, Jazz. Well, what's what's your uh, take on all this? I mean, uh, the debate was going on in question period this morning. All of a sudden, uh, Justin Trudeau has a press conference in the afternoon. What's this mean? Well, it's interesting. You and I were talking about discussing this before we had any inkling that Trudeau was uh, going to do what he did. But I did a column about three weeks ago 
question or wondering whether or not we're going to see political leaders start to either lose their nerve or change their commitment when it comes to some of these climate change uh, fighting policies that uh, directly impact people's wallets. We saw in the UK, Rishi Sunak, the Prime Minister there in September, announcing a relaxation on all sorts of targets when it came to uh, reducing the number of fossil fuel cars on the roads, for example. Um, others sort of blinking uh, potentially at, at some... And, and Sunak's uh, reasoning was this was taking an inordinate uh, impact, negative impact on working people's wallets, that their ability to pay was being compromised by this increased um, uh, taxes or climate change policies that were costing money. Now you have the Trudeau government, which I think is directly tied to what's going on in Atlantic Canada, where the polling numbers suggest the support for the Trudeau uh, Liberals in Atlantic Canada, we used to be called the Red Wall, is crumbling. And a lot of that is directly attributed to the introduction of a carbon tax there. There was a by-election in, in Nova, provincial by-election in Nova Scotia this fall uh, or late summer in which the Liberals lost a seat that had been theirs for 20 years when the Conservatives ran on basically one issue, get rid of the carbon tax. So the carbon tax is unpopular in Atlantic Canada. What is Trudeau announced but a three-year freeze basically or, or uh, delay before introducing the carbon tax on home heating oil in the Atlantic provinces. I think it's directly tied to some of the political heat, and one has to wonder whether or not we're going to see other governments start uh, changing their minds when it comes to pocketbook issues tied to climate change, which would be unfortunate, but people, a lot of detractors say it doesn't have the impact it's supposed to have in terms of curbing uh, behavior. There's a poll this week by Research Co. that uh, found 28% of British Columbians don't think the carbon tax is changing behavior or their own behavior when it comes to consuming fossil fuels. You know, as you mentioned, 2008 is when Gordon Campbell brought this thing in. It, is, it used to be a $300, $300 million budget item in the budget. It is now hitting $2.8 billion in revenue this current budget year. It's expected, according to the government's own budget, to increase to $3.4 billion in 25-26, just two years from now. Uh, that's a huge increase from even – it's basically doubling the revenue from 2019. In four years or five years, it's going to double the revenue to, to government as it goes up every year. It's no longer revenue neutral, hasn't been for years, and it's going to be very uh, very hard to untie this thing if you want mm -hmm. politicians want to get rid of it. How do you get rid of $3 billion in revenue? You can't, which is, I think, it's interesting that Rustad brought that up today. Heyman's defending it. And we'll see where the BC United Party lands on this come the next election campaign. Will one or more parties call for a freeze on the carbon tax? I think that's put perfectly um, predictable that someone's going to call for a freeze on the carbon tax rather than see annual increases. We are speaking to Keith Baldrigal, BC's Legislative Bureau Chief. We're talking about uh, the federal government announcing today that uh, the government will increase the carbon tax rebate paid to households in rural areas, exempt uh, home heating oil from the carbon tax for three years, and roll out, a, roll out a more lucrative rebate program for people who switch their heat sources to heat pumps. Uh, and as Keith was saying, there's obviously um, an election coming, and I'm sure they're looking at the polls in Atlantic Canada, but the question is, should we be pausing uh, our carbon tax uh, nationally here across the country? Because many other countries just don't have a carbon tax. It impacts our affordability. 604-280-9898. Let's go to uh, George in Nanaimo. Hi, George. Hi, Jazz. I know that you love to worship at the altar of climate change, but this has got to be the dumbest policy ever brought in by any government. You can't possibly think we're stupid enough to believe that after 
the three years is up, which of course is right after the next election. Mm-hmm. You're not just going to ramp it back up again. If this was such a good idea, every other country in the world would be doing it. But no, we're the only ones stupid enough to sabotage our own economy with George, this tax. George, thank you for your call. Appreciate it. Uh, I've always, from day one, if it, if it doesn't, you know, if, if it impacts the family budget, I have tremendous concern over something like that. I think we have a role to play in uh, when it regards to addressing climate change, as do many British Columbians. Keith, uh, it, it is a bit of a 50-50 split in regards to support and dealing with the issue of climate change. At the same time, when you see the carbon tax, as you said, it's the behavior that really isn't changing. You're not seeing that transition to electric vehicles or whatever it may be. Well, yeah, our greenhouse gas emissions are falling, but nowhere near as much as what was required by the target species set, and certainly not what was predicted with the introduction of a carbon tax. But there is some evidence there's some reduction uh, occurring, whether it's because of the carbon tax or something else. But uh, go back to that, the research poll, which is basically, you're right, a 50-50 split, 42% support it, 40% donor, vice versa. But, tw- you know, almost a third of the electorate doesn't think it has any impact, uh, or just a thir- less than a third of the electorate think it has an impact on p- human behavior. Uh, but again, I note that countries and politicians are revisiting some of their policies that are tied to pocketbook issues when it comes to fighting climate change. And we've only just begun when it comes to some of these issues. I mean, there's an, uh, there was an ongoing protest in Europe. I'm not sure what the latest is. If you recall, put a real reduction on fertilizer and a mm-hmm. huge cost with the reduction of fertilizer. And farmers were threatening to slaughter their cows on the steps of the Hague parliament in in holland with the, because it was just drive up cost so much it seems to be a bit of a relaxation on that front but this is part and parcel when it comes to some of the some of the tough policies that are required to fight climate change does mean a change in personal behavior but it does have some implications for the pocketbook and i think you're going to see politicians of all stripes not just left or right uh, get some cold feet when it yeah. comes to some of these policies. And I think you're seeing Justin Trudeau right now with cold feet when it comes to the carbon tax. Let's go to uh, John and Langley. Hi, John. Hey, gentlemen, uh, good to hear you on the air again. Uh, I uh, echoed the sentiments of uh, the first caller. But uh, to Keith, uh, this curbing behavior, this drives me around the bend. How can you curb behavior when there's absolutely no alternative uh, and it, it's destroying uh, our economy. Uh, I'll vote for anybody that's getting rid of the carbon tax. Uh, I just don't understand how such an inane policy can be supported. John, thank you for your call. I appreciate it. Well, well you know, I think the climate is being, is, is being created, given the cost of living and affordability mm-hmm. issues. We haven't seen a tax revolt for some time. I think you'd have to go back to the 90s, perhaps. You remember the Proposition 13 in California yeah. and these, all the rage was to reduce taxes. We had the B.C. Liberals when they came into power in 2001, huge income tax cut. Uh, we haven't had a tax revolt out there for some time, and I have to wonder whether one isn't brewing on an issue like the carbon tax. At the very least, perhaps a revolt to the point of freezing it, but not keep increasing it annually when the price of inflation is, is what, it, or the cost of inflation is what it is, and other affordability issues. We may have hit a point where politicians start changing their tune or their positions on some of these taxation issues. Yeah, I would, I would completely agree with you on that one, Keith, on your assessment. Uh, let's go to Hardy in Abbotsford. Hi, Hardy. I want to touch on what the last caller said. No alternatives. I'm driving an electric vehicle. I know the upfront cost is more, and governments need to show more leadership. But this is a problem of leadership. It's not a problem of... There's lots of things that China and India do or don't do, 
And we do differently because we show leadership. And this has been a problem for the last 30 years as the oil industry, especially in the States, and it's filtered up into Canada, is trying to be putting this off, putting this off, putting this off. And the problem just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. I'm in my mid-50s. We're all older guys here. We'll be dead and gone. Our grandchildren are going to look back at us and go, what the hell were these people thinking about these small little things and not thinking about the big picture where hundreds of millions of people's lives are going to be drastically altered and it's going to impact us as well. And we just sit around with these little things. I understand. Hardy, Hardy, we've run out of, Hardy I appreciate Thanks. the call. We're running out of time, my friend. Appreciate the call. Didn't mean to cut you off. Keith, uh, I'll let you wrap up. I'm a big skeptic if everyone thinks electric vehicles are going to solve everything. You cannot produce them fast enough. Um, the demand is slowing down. Already manufacturers are curbing their targets. We do not control the supply chain when it comes to electric vehicles. China does for the most part. And they leave a huge uh, fossil fuel imprint in the manufacturing process. So I don't think they're the magic answer to fossil fuel problems. Yep. We will have more electric vehicles, but nowhere near the number that is going to replace fossil fuel well, cars this in, the, week, in the near future. This week in Wall Street Journal, uh, General Motors just said they're not going to be able to hit their 400,000 exactly. EV target. It because people just aren't buying them fast enough. Part of it is the people who buy who can afford the seventy thousand dollar EV can't afford that. Nope. Even if they've cut prices by ten thousand, whatever. Prices will go down. Technology will change, but it's not going to happen overnight. Exactly. And Exxon and Chevron, by the way, just invested one hundred twenty <laughs> billion dollars yeah. the last two weeks uh, in fossil fuel companies, uh, which tells you they think the transition is going to take longer. You may not like it, but those are the facts, kids. Key, thank you. All right, guys. Take care.